In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, the warmest possible welcome to this joyous day, uh, the most joyous day in our whole church year, and for not just the church year, but for the world. If it were not for this news, we would be the most pitied of all people, uh, St. Paul says. So this is the day to celebrate no matter what. I'm going to again begin with a church joke, which is akin, close kin to a dad joke, so sorry. But here it goes. A nice, upstanding, church-going Episcopal couple invited their rector over for brunch after the Easter service. And of course, the table was set with the finest china, with crystal silverware, perfectly folded linen napkins. Everything was going well with a little dinner party, lots of pleasant conversation about the sermon and about the hymns and about the lilies and the brass and the crowded pews, everything that we normally have on an Easter. But after the brunch, as the couple was cleaning up, the wife noticed a missing silver fork, which was by the rector's neatly folded napkin. And she knew exactly how many silver forks she had, and one was definitely missing, and she felt quite sure that when the rector excused himself from the table for a minute, that was the very moment that the fork disappeared. Well, she was too embarrassed to call the rector and ask if he'd taken her fork, but she harbored suspicions. A year went by. The next Easter came. The rector returned for Easter brunch with all the same table settings and all the pleasant conversation. But halfway through the lamb and after a Bloody Mary or two, the wife could not contain herself. A minute longer, she turned to the rector and shouted, did you steal one of my silver forks last year? The rector calmly reply, replied, why no? I just hid it in the Bible on your bedside table. <laughs> if you're tuning in to this Easter service uh, this year, you may be the kind of Episcopalian who looks for God once or maybe twice a year, if you include Christmas Eve, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I love the Babylon Bee's lampoon this week of the uh, famously lackluster church going among Episcopalians below a picture of a completely empty church, which we have today and everywhere else, was the headline, Episcopal Church reports no change in attendance in recent weeks. <laughs> Business as usual, said one rector. We didn't even know there was a lockdown. I mean, it's not entirely true because if the numbers of views that we've had on our previous online uh, services is any indicator, then we see that, in fact, all kinds of people are tuning in right now because we're all looking for some hope and we're all looking for some comfort from God. And that is the beauty of the good news of the gospel. God doesn't keep count. God doesn't take roll. God, God doesn't count the pews. He just does marvelous and miraculous things for us to behold and believe with no strings attached. So those marvelous and miraculous things for us to behold and to believe on this Easter day are found in St. John's account of the first Easter, which I just read to you. 
But before we get to that marvelous and miraculous, I want to start at the beginning of the passage. Where, where are we? Mary Magdalene makes her way, note, in the dark to the tomb of Jesus, and she's intending to anoint his body for burial. She's grieving. Mary and the other disciples are grieving because what? Of course, life as they had known it rapidly changed on the heels of Jesus' arrest on one day, his mock trial and crucifixion the next. Their hope is now extinguished. Everything was taken away so quickly. They can't imagine that life will ever be the same. So now Mary Magdalene is just trying to keep calm and carry on in the face of the grief, just doing the next thing that she knows how to do. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Because in one sense, this Easter is kind of like the first Easter. Churches were empty because there were no churches. There were no public Easter egg hunts. There were no Easter brunch gatherings. There were no hallelujah choruses. In fact, as we will see in next week's reading, on the evening of the first Easter, the disciples were all together sheltering in one place, afraid to go outside. Had Edgar Allan Poe written his famous poem, The Raven, back then, the emotion would have suited the scene. A man sits alone and he's grieving in his dark chamber. The love of his life, Lenore, has left him and he's brooding, wondering if he could ever get Lenore back, wondering if he would ever be happy again. And then a raven alights on his windowsill, thinking maybe the bird might be some kind of messenger of hope from God, he asked the raven if joy would ever return to his life. On this home by horror haunted, tell me truly I implore, is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore. Quoteth the raven, never more. And that's the bird's ominous refrain throughout the palm, never more, never more, never more. And so if you've just been wondering if joy would return to your life, if all the voices all around you or in your head have been saying never more, well, you just should know that you're not the first to feel this way. The feeling is obviously present in, but not particular to this time of corona. We see it in Mary Magdalene in this Easter account. She comes to the tomb. She sees that the stone has been removed. That should be some good news, right? So she races off and gets Peter and John, who then race to the empty tomb. And once there, well, they discover a curious detail. Maybe you picked up on it. The burial linens that had wrapped Jesus's body uh, and his head were there. They were neatly folded and separated. Perhaps those folded linens would have reminded them of the Jewish tradition that crumpled up linens at the dinner table meant the person was finished with the meal, but a folded linen meant the person was coming back. Yes, Jesus had foretold his resurrection, but we know how we are in times of grief or in times of threat or in times of crisis. We don't remember good news. We find it hard to think straight. 
don't we? Well, that was true for Mary anyway. She is so consumed with grief, even after these little hints. The text says Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. So she sees the empty tomb, evidence of Jesus' resurrection, but interprets it not as good news, but as bad news. His body's been stolen, she thinks. Angels even show up and ask her why she's weeping, yet she still doesn't understand the good news. And then, get this, Jesus himself shows up and asks her why she's crying, and yet she still doesn't hold and believe. That's where I want to pause in the story just for a second. Mary is caught up in her grief because she did not expect, she could not expect God to do the miraculous, to comfort her maybe a little bit in her grief, well, okay. To help her have Jesus live on in her heart, maybe. To remind her of the general renewal of life that we see in the blooming flowers, maybe. But to raise Jesus Christ bodily from the dead, no way she saw that coming. And yet, there Jesus is, alive, real, physical, fully present, turning to Mary, calling her by name, Mary. You see, out of the jaws of death, when things seem their worst, God does the miraculous. J.R.R. Tolkien coined a word for this. His word is eucatastrophe. He says it's, quote, the sudden happy turn in the story which pierces you with a joy that brings tears. It is a sudden glimpse of truth, capital T. Tolkien called the resurrection the greatest eucatastrophe possible in the greatest story there is. Giving life, bringing life out of death. That's how God worked on the first Easter. That's how God works on this Easter. And that's how God will work forevermore, evermore, evermore. As the psalmist says, Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And my friends, it is the morning. Jesus is here turning to you, calling you by name. Even if you're watching this in the afternoon or the evening, make no mistake, it is the morning. It is the morning of hope. It is the morning of joy. It is the morning of promise. And most importantly, it is the morning of resurrection from the dead. It is the morning of the sudden happy turn that pierces you with the joy 
that brings tears. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. That is our Easter glimpse of truth. And this morning, and all mornings forevermore, when asked if death has the final word, we can say with one voice, nevermore, nevermore, nevermore. And when things get dark and you need a reminder of this truth, you could always watch this sermon again, or you could just pick up the Bible on your bedside table. Happy Easter to you. Hallelujah. Amen.